What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And in this episode, we are traveling through the galaxy across multiple dimensions in my review of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. do you want, Nefarious? We're going to a dimension where I always win! <laughs> Clank? Where am I? A Wombax? Who are you? I'm Rivet. Let's go for a ride. Wait, I have to find my friends. A lot like mine. Evil like him, too. And that Lombax. I'm coming, Clank. If we do not get the Dimensionator now, we may lose every dimension. Oh, my. Before we dive into the details of the story of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, let's take a minute to look at some interesting details that you may not have known about the game or its developer in The Breakdown. Insomniac Games is the developer of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, and they've been around for quite a few years now, and they've done numerous Ratchet & Clank games, as well as many other franchises throughout their history for Sony's consoles, and a few for other consoles as well. Now, before Ratchet & Clank, they did the Spyro the Dragon series back on the original PlayStation, that original three games, that original trilogy. And after they completed that trilogy, they really wanted to do something new and different for their next game. But before they jumped onto Ratchet & Clank, they had an idea for a game called Monster Knight, which sounds really cool, but unfortunately never got past the prototype stage. And another that was titled, wait for it, Girl with a Stick. Now, guys, uh, this was very, just from a title standpoint, it just cracked me up. Very interesting. Now, the aim of this game was to be a mashup of the Legend of Zelda and Tomb Raider series, and it actually had six months of development in the books before Insomniac CEO Ted Price decided to cancel the project due to the development team, quote-unquote, not feeling it. I'm very glad that they did not feel it, because soon after, the idea for Ratchet and Clank came about, and the rest is history. Now let's check out that story for Rift Apart. The story in Rift Apart begins on the planet of Corson 5 at the beginning of a parade that's being thrown in the honor of our two heroes, Ratchet and Clank. Now, at this point in their careers, they've essentially retired after the events of the future trilogy that we saw over the course of releases on the PlayStation 3. 
Now, Ratchet and Clank have been asked to participate in this event, celebrating that illustrious career. And Ratchet specifically has been informed that Clank actually has a very special gift to give him at the end of the parade. Now, series mainstay Captain Quark guides the in-game audience, as well as us as the players, through the main, pretty much bullet points of the career of these two, as a sort of what I considered refresher for the regular series players, as well as a way to catch up any newcomers to the series and kind of understand where the duo has been and what we can expect from them going forward. Now, of course, things do not stay rosy and peachy for long, and series mainstay villain and arch nemesis to the duo, Dr. Nefarious, makes an appearance and causes the whole parade to go off the rails. Now, his reasoning for this was somehow he caught wind of the special gift that Clank was going to give to Ratchet, which just so happens to be the Dimensionator. And the Dimensionator, it's a sort of a wind-up gun that, when fired, it can actually open up access points to other dimensions all across the galaxy. And, of course, Dr. Nefarious wants this for himself. And the reason why is he wants to go to a dimension where he can finally win and defeat Ratchet and Clank once and for all. Now, the purpose behind Clank repairing and then giving the Dimensionator to Ratchet in the first place was so that Ratchet could go to another dimension and hopefully find the rest of the Lombax, which is his race of people, and no longer be the last of his kind. And this has been a running story theme since the first game way back on the PS2, the fact that Ratchet is the last of the Lombax. But of course, Nefarious throws a wrench into the plans and he begins to wreak chaos on this parade, opening up portals to dimensions all over the galaxy in order to escape, as well as keep Ratchet and Clank busy long enough to do so. Now our duo eventually tags along on a crazy ride on the back of Nefarious's vehicle of travel through multiple dimensions before they're separated from one another in different dimensions. Now it's at this point that we're very quickly introduced to Rivet, which is a brand new character to the series and a fellow Lombax like Ratchet, and I would say is essentially his counterpart in her dimension. Now it just so happens that Rivet's dimension is the same one that Clank has been thrown into, and the two of them quickly become friends once they meet and realize that they have a common goal of stopping Nefarious, reclaiming the Dimensionator, and meeting back up with Ratchet. Now, Ratchet, meanwhile, is left to travel alone for a bit, but eventually he will meet this Dimension's Clank counterpart in Kit, who is also a fellow robot, and but very much her own unique character, not just a reskin of Clank, which I loved. Now, from this point on, it becomes a race for the two duos to reconstruct a Dimensionator of their own by tracking down blueprints and parts that are needed to create one. And along the way, traveling from planet to planet, you're going to make a lot of new friends, enemies, and you're going to have a great time doing so, all the way to the story's conclusion. Now, the characters in this game, they were so well written, and I loved loved newcomers Rivet and Kit. And even Glitch, which is this tiny spider bot that you meet later on in the game. And she'll help you clear out some computer viruses that are blocking your forward progress at certain points. But the friendship between Ratchet and Clank is ever present in this story and kind of at the center, as it usually is in every Ratchet and Clank game. And even more heartfelt, I think, in this title than ever before, especially coming from Clank's perspective. Now, I also thought it was great seeing Ratchet react to meeting another Lombax after all this time, and how he befriended and earned the trust of Kit. It was just a very touching moment, and there was a couple of those throughout the course of this game story, which was really, really awesome. Now, Rivet, she was just such an awesome character, guys, and we really were only given a glimpse of her backstory in this game, which... It was really, really interesting and has me hoping that we're going to get 
either some DLC that expands on that backstory, or I would say even a standalone game in the same vein as, say, Spider-Man Miles Morales. So Spider-Man Miles Morales, it wasn't a full-fledged sequel to Spider-Man, but it was its own game and standalone, shorter, tighter experience than that main Spider-Man title, but still could stand on its own two feet. And I think that would be awesome. Same developer here, Insomniac, if they did the same kind of treatment to Rivet. Now, I can tell you that right now, the second a Rivet and Kick game is announced and, and available to pre-order, I would be the first in line to throw down money for it. And speaking of Kit, if they did something similar to how they had Secret Agent Clank that came out way back on the PSP, where it was a solo Clank game, if they had something like that, maybe a strict download on the PSN or something of that effect, I think that would be great as well to flesh out that solo adventure of her own. Now, overall, the story in Rift Apart, top to bottom, it was amazing, guys. And it was my favorite, easily my favorite story out of all the Ratchet & Clank games that I've played. Now, the themes of friendship, forgiveness, redemption, self-confidence, they all have resonance here, and they were executed flawlessly by Insomniac's writing team. And it wasn't just these serious themes, though. You also have to have the humor and the witty banter and dialogue between characters and Ratchet and Clank and Rivet and Kit, Captain Quark and his goofiness, all the characters that we've come to know and love and their little quirks that Insomniac, just that touch of Insomniac magic, almost kind of like I would equate it to Pixar in the way that they have a certain touch to their movies. That's exactly how I feel that Insomniac and what they do to their dialogue and with their character development within their game stories. And it's always been a part of what makes these Ratchet and Clank games and the series so great. Ultimately, this is one of the most enjoyable stories that I've experienced in all of gaming in a very long time. Now, let's go check out and see what my thoughts are on the graphics and sound. First things first, gamers, I'm going to start with the visual side of things and go right into the graphics. Now, I was, just to kind of give perspective, playing on fidelity mode. There are different modes that you can choose at the beginning of the game in the options menu. I chose fidelity mode, which means that you get 4K visuals, ray tracing, HDR, 30 frames per second. Put bluntly, let me just say that with all this going on, Rift Apart is one of the absolutely best looking most detailed games that I've ever played. Everything is rendered to the most minute detail in this game. And you might think, well, it's kind of a cartoonish looking world and characters. Yeah, but that doesn't mean the details aren't there, guys. I'm telling you, every single detail, the reflections, whew. So let's just start off with the characters. Now, a lot of this, it can be really seen extremely well in the game's photo mode, which we'll get to the details of that later on in the review. But you can zoom in on the characters and the worlds and just you really see the amazing texturing at work on the characters' outfits. The cracks in leather and say a hat that Ratchet is wearing or the stitching in a cloth vest that someone may be wearing. The fur on both Ratchet and Rivet are both excellently done and look great. And even Clank and Kit, even though they're robots and metal, they are still extremely detailed as well. And when you look at the shine of Clink's metal or the green dots in his eyes to... Kit's orange domes on her head with those stems of light that are underneath. It's just every little detail was accounted for. No expense spared here. 
And even all the NPCs and the enemies, they are all extremely well detailed and look great. Now, when we move to the visuals of the environments, the details don't stop at the main cast of characters. The planets and the cities that you're going to be exploring on your journey, they are bar none when it comes to visual details. From the opening seconds of this game during that parade we talked about in the story segment to the closing moments of this story, I was constantly blown away by everything that was going on in the foreground, the background. There's no slowdown, no frame rate dippage, nada. And the draw distance was absolutely phenomenal. No end in sight, guys. It was definitely, this game was definitely a testament to the PS5's processing power. And just to point a, paint a quick picture here, the aforementioned parade, it had everything going on at once, from skylines of buildings and towers in the background with traffic of ships moving all around them with giant character balloons floating through the sky, crowds of people, gameplay like running and gunning and platforming, explosions. It was just absolutely insane, the amount of just stuff that was going on in this environment. And it was like that throughout the entirety of the game. Anytime there were multiple segments like that where there's just insane amounts of things going on screen at once and the game never once, not even once, hiccuped. So when you add lighting to the whole level of detail discussion, it just continues to help immerse you in the game's planets even more, especially on my favorite planet, which had an underwater research facility at the Kadaro Station. And I felt it really showed off the lighting in this game because when you're under, in an underwater research station, think about it. You have the windows, but of course you're underwater, so you see the ocean out in front of the window. Well, you're not on the very bottom at the black pits of the ocean, right? So you're still going to see sunlight that comes through the surface of the ocean and comes down through the window of the research station. Just little details like that and the way it dances off of the objects within the room that you're in. It was just so much going on here. That ray tracing was absolutely phenomenal. It's just beautiful. So turning from a visual standpoint, it just doesn't get better from Rift Apart here. And when you go to the audio, it's just as amazing, guys. Starting out with music, sound effects, and voice acting, let's just say the music has a very... 80s sci-fi synth sound to it and a lot of its themes but i did feel that it complemented those themes with your typical epic sounding orchestral score and the applicable moments now i just loved the music it was just top notch the voice acting was also bar none as usual in these games and as i mentioned pixar earlier i feel same thing here with the voice acting it's very comparable to a disney pixar film and, you know, the voices in this game and constantly throughout the series, they really embody the characters perfectly. And I've always felt the actors fully take on these characters through their delivery of the lines. Uh, basic sound effects were also excellent, ranging from just basic environmental sounds on the different planets that you explore, both exterior and interior, flora, fauna, whatever your grunts and quips of enemies you hear, all over the place. It was just great. Weapons at your disposal, they also offer some very unique sounds for each weapon. And to be honest with you, after a point, if you're like I was, you might even get to where you know what gun you've swapped to just by the sound effect that plays when you switch to it. So that's how unique and distinctive and awesome the sounds are in this game. Blaster shots, explosions, concussion blasts, rail grinding, it all sounds perfect and is accentuated even better if you're using that 3D Pulse headset, which we will transition to now and see how much that 3D Pulse effect really adds to this experience. Yeah. 
Gamers, for perspective again, I will say that I played the majority of this game with the 3D Pulse headset on. And I gotta tell you, it is so much better playing this game with that headset than it is with... I My alternative was a soundbar. Now, I will tell you that before this headset and before my Lucid Sound headset I use on my Xbox, I was all about that soundbar. But there is a different level of immersion that you get with these headsets. And with the 3D Pulse effect on this game specifically, it was absolutely noticeable. I even got to a point where I would alternate between the headset and soundbar in the same play session. Usually, that's where I'd start with the soundbar and say, nah, I can't do this. I gotta wear the headset. It is that immersive and that impressive. It makes that much of a difference to me. The sound effects, the music, and the dialogue, the crispness of it all is amazing. Now, the big thing about the 3D pulse effect is the fact that it is 3D audio that's on display at every turn. And when you have enemy encounters, planet exploration, it never ends. And it really helps out on multiple occasions, whether it's combat or just different scenarios. It is so awesome to hear that spatial audio, that 3D audio on tap here. Now, at the end of this segment, I always say, so what did the headset do for this game? Did it have a massive effect on my experience or was there just no pulse at all here? Now for this game, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, 3D pulse effect, it's a massive effect. If you want the most immersive experience possible for Rift Apart, you've got to play using that 3D pulse headset. Now let's go check out what my thoughts are on the game's controls. In Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, the game controls from a third-person dual analog stick setup with the left stick controlling your on-screen character and the right stick controlling that camera. Now, as far as how the character controls feel, I thought they were great. If you're controlling any of the four main characters, that is. Now, there are a couple of sequences, one where you're right on the back of a Speedle and it's a creature that kind of allows you to traverse over different water environments. I did feel the controls there were a little too heavy and hard to make turns at certain points if you weren't being very preemptive with it. Uh, there were another couple of rough sequences where you're flying on the back of a creature, a dragon-like creature named Trudy, shooting fireballs at enemies and different hazards alike. It was very rough to control her, and directionally, she was limited to one analog stick while the other controlled the direction of the reticule that's used to help aim when shooting fireballs. Now, I definitely felt some touch-up was needed in those different writing sequences. But otherwise, the characters individually controlled great. The camera as a whole was great. It's tight, but not too tight. Meaning, it's tight enough to feel solid control in your hands, and that control there is, is really good. And move at a solid enough speed with your character that you never feel like it's you're playing catch-up with the camera, or it's flying all over the place and too loose, or taking too long. So... You also can click in that right analog stick to alternate between left shoulder and right shoulder aiming of your weapons, which I thought has always been a huge plus to have in these games. Now, the touchpad is utilized here as a means to bring up the end game menu with tabs that you can use to access your map, collectibles, armor, and game settings with ease of use alternating between them with the R1 and L1 buttons. The D-pad, it's used as a hotkey designation here for your weapons while holding down triangle will slow down the action in the game long enough for you to manually scroll through your weapon selection. The face buttons, they're your typical jump, dash, and attack with the X, circle, and square buttons respectively. And the triggers, they were used as readying and firing your weapons. And of course, they felt great. I never really had any issues with controls during this game, except for just in a few spots that I had mentioned earlier. But there were also times where I would select a weapon from the weapon wheel and jump back into the action to use it, 
and it would be a completely different weapon. Or it would not have switched out the weapon I wanted to change from at all. It was only a few times that I encountered this hiccup during my playthrough, but they could be very frustrating in the middle of a heated battle, whether it's a boss fight or just a, an onslaught of enemies. Now, outside of these minor gripes, there's really not much to complain about in Rift Apart's controls. So now, let's take a look at the features that you can expect to enjoy playing on the PS5 with that DualSense controller, and let's see if this game showcases a DualSense difference. <laughs> When we talk about a dual sense difference in a game, you have to start with the haptic feedback and those adaptive triggers. So Ratchet and Clank is probably the most impressive game, even more so than Miles Morales Spider-Man that I have experienced so far on the PS5 with those adaptive triggers. Just little subtle things like a light vibration for every footstep as you're just running around the planet exploring. Every weapon also has a unique feel to it, as far as the tension on the triggers when you're shooting or readying the weapon. Sometimes there's two different feelings, since most weapons do have a dual functionality to them. Now, launch pads, wall runs, explosions, they all have their own unique vibration, and it's just awesome. My favorite, though, is a very subtle vibration, but a very different and unique subtle vibration than what your footsteps are. And it's that vibration felt as Clank or Rivet are absorbing all of the bolts around them after smashing boxes or defeating enemies. Now, as you guys, I'm sure, at some point have maybe played a Ratchet and Clank game in your past, there's tons of boxes everywhere to smash, and they all have tons of bolts for you to acquire. And it's just something comforting about that feeling, that little subtle, light, consistent vibration that you felt as you were absorbing those bolts. It, was, it may sound weird. But just trust me, if you play the game, you'll know what I'm talking about. Now, the sound effects for every gun when you swap between them, they all come through the speaker on the dual sense. That was really cool. The touchpad, I thought, was a great option for pulling up the in-game menu and worked great. The light bar, surprisingly, was not used in this game. But at the end of the day, the question here is, is there a dual sense difference? The answer is absolutely yes. After playing the Ratchet & Clank series on four different PlayStation consoles now, I can easily tell you guys this has been my most immersive and enjoyable experience, thanks in part, a big part, to that DualSense controller. Now, let's go talk about the gameplay. Gamers, when starting this game, you're going to be playing a third-person, story-driven action platformer with RPG elements like character progression, armor swap-outs with stat buffs, collectibles, a weapon leveling system where each gun also has an alternate fire option, really the whole nine yards. Now, the bulk of the game sees you traveling from planet to planet, either as Ratchet and newcomer to the series Kit, or Clank and other newcomer Rivet, of which there are nine planets that you'll ultimately explore. And in each planet's location that you're taken to, it's all about platforming to traverse the different environmental obstacles that are in your way while blasting enemies and defeating the boss at the end of each planet with whatever weapon best suits you, which I'll get to the weapon specifically in a bit. But first, we're going to talk about traversal and platforming. Now, either as Ratchet or Rivet, most of your traversal is going to be on foot. There are some moments where you're on the back of a Speedle sprinting around the map or flying on the back of Trudy, as mentioned earlier. But the basic platforming around the maps of these worlds was great. Jumps were well-placed. Wall-running sequences popped up throughout. 
using a grappling hook called the swing shot to swing from certain specified points to cross large gaps or chasms or connect a few points in a row, they were all really well done. And after this many games in the series, I got to tell you, Insomniac has really refined and perfected the platforming aspects of the gameplay. One new addition to this game that I did really enjoy were the glide gadget that's added to your boots at one point. And these allow you to hover and speed quickly around an area. And when you're zooming over designated arrow plates on the ground, these plates are going to shoot you forward at insane speeds. And it's when you connect a few of those moments together with ramps and big jumps, the things just really get exhilarating. And there's quite a few of those moments throughout the game. It was a lot of fun. But the biggest addition to the traversal system, though, was the Rift Tether. And it was really a showcase of the PS5 and the game itself. Now, there's going to be tears and the dimensions of all the planets that you travel to. And at certain points in a map, you'll come across these tears. And once they turn yellow, the outline of them, you can press R1 and the Rift Tether is going to pull you right to that location of that Rift Tear which covers a lot of ground quickly, and it also allows you to cross gaps that were otherwise unpassable. Now imagine using this in conjunction with the swing shot and other different platforming aspects of gameplay, and it just adds another layer to that onion, so to speak. Now, the other function of the Rift Tether is to open up pocket dimensions, which are kind of like little side areas of platforming goodness to go through where you're always, at the end, rewarded with a new armor set piece. And I personally really enjoyed these pocket dimensions. They were like platforming puzzles in a way. And pocket dimensions, they aren't the only side areas that you're going to go through in this game. Now, Clank, he does get his time to shine in some solo sequences that are purely puzzle-based, and they were great. Some of them, be honest with you, they even had me scratching my head for a bit until I figured it out. But there's also another series newcomer named Glitch, and she is a microscopic spider-looking robot and she stars in a few sequences where she can get into terminals and destroy these viruses that are corrupting the terminal from the inside. And there's some fun upside down traversal and some gunplay with the viruses at hand. And I really enjoyed these sequences as well. Bottom line is, guys, there's such a variety of gameplay in this game. It's insane. And I loved it. I felt it was always perfectly paced, though, too. And I just... I always found myself being hungry enough by the time I found the next gameplay type scenario that I was excited to do that next sequence again. Now, throughout all this, there's going to be plenty of crates that are filled with bolts that we talked about earlier. And the bolts are the game's currency. And there's also a different type of currency in this game called Raritarium Crystals. And you can smash those crystals and they'll be available for you to spend at different vendor locations that are run by Mrs. Zircon. And she's a robot... And I feel like she looks very much to me, it reminds me of the maid from the Jetsons, if you guys have ever watched the Jetsons cartoon show back in the day. But that's what her look reminds me of. But she has this extremely thick southern accent. Uh, sounds just like a southern belle, and it, it just cracks me up, the combination here. But Mrs. Zircon, she's going to allow you to purchase new weapons with your bolts. And they can range anywhere from blasters and rocket launchers to sniper rifles and grenades to more of the classic goofy Ratchet and Clank styles of guns like the Pixelator that changes all your struck enemies into 8-bit pixel fodder. Or my favorite, to be honest with you, was Mr. Fun Guy, which is a mushroom that was kind of like a personal turret once you launched him. Or like I would like to do, I always loved it when there was a, a giant room and a ton of enemies coming at you. You launch a Mr. Fun Guy, two or three of them, around the perimeter. And uh, man, especially once they get fully upgraded at level 5, these guys would take enemies out in no time. So just a little tip there for you. 
And speaking of upgrades, though, Mrs. Zircon, as I said, she allows you to upgrade those weapons with that Raritarium. Now, the upgrades do things like increase maximum ammo, the blast radius of your explosions, damage of your weapons, and some special abilities that get unlocked by purchasing all of the upgrades that are around said special ability. Now, each weapon also levels up on its own the more enemies that you take out with it, and in your first playthrough will cap at level 5. There is a sort of New Game Plus or Challenge mode that you can complete or participate in after you beat the game the first time, and they raise the level cap for each weapon to 10. But I did ultimately never feel there was unfair pricing for the weapons, and the upgrades I felt were always one raritarium apiece. So I felt the entire weapon and upgrade system was very fairly set and great. Now, when we transition into combat, so speaking of the combat you're going to be using these weapons for, it was as addictive as ever. Guys, since PlayStation 2, the way the combat is in the Ratchet & Clank games, for whatever reason, it's always just been a, a lot of fun and just very addictive. Uh, the pockets of enemies that you face, just like the different types of platforming and gameplay, I felt they were perfectly paced and numbered. So you never felt like you just constantly had enemies onslaughting. At the same time, you also never felt like there was too much of a drought between enemy encounters. Sure, there were times that there's lots of enemies and lots of waves of lots of enemies, but I never really felt there was anything unfair or cheap at play here. Each planet also has a boss that you have to defeat at the end, and I felt they were each well-crafted and very unique to the planet, and a lot of fun, to be honest with you. Now, they mostly consisted of either straight-up blaster fire while dodging their attacks, or they resembled the more old-school boss fight where you have to observe their attack patterns and react accordingly, or hit weak spots on larger bosses to whittle them down. Now, again, none of these bosses ever felt cheap. The only one I got a little frustrated with was the final boss. Now, you also have a melee option as far as combat is concerned, and that is in addition to those long-range options of your guns. And for Ratchet, that melee is with his classic wrench, and Rivet has her own hammer. And just to put it out there, both Ratchet and Rivet feel exactly the same, if you are wondering, uh, which I was very happy with. Uh, I thought that was a good design decision to just have them be the exact same control-wise. Now, the final piece of gameplay that I'll talk about is the character progression, or the RPG piece. As you defeat enemies, you're going to earn XP, which, after earning enough, you're going to level up, and you gain 10 HP every time. And this does carry over between Ratchet and Rivet. So, say if you're playing through a planet with Ratchet, and you level up from level 1 to 2, when you switch back to Rivet, you'll still be at level 2, which I did think, again, was the right call as far as a design decision on Insomniac's part, instead of separating them and having them have a different level progression system. Now, the other progression piece would be in the armor sets that you can collect throughout your play by tracking down each set's individual pieces, which there are three for each armor set. And mostly, you get these armor pieces through pocket dimensions, and there is an arena-based challenge area at Xerxes, which Xerxes is essentially this game's version of the most Eisley Cantina from Star Wars, in my opinion. If you're a Star Wars fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's all kinds of scum and villainy at Xerxes. Now, besides being visually cool to switch between and see their differences, if you collect all three pieces of an armor set, it grants you access to the stat buffs of that set. For example, buffs could include an increase to the amount of raritarium that you get, or another could increase the amount of bolts that you get from defeated enemies, increasing the amount of XP you earn, etc., etc., Regardless, I always got excited when I found a new armor piece. I loved collecting a full armor set and trying it out and putting it on and seeing how it actually looked in the game being worn by one of the characters. And especially, 
it was just a lot of fun for me. Overall, gameplay-wise, Rift Apart has a little bit of everything and does almost all of it at an exceptionally high level. Now let's go look at the details of this game's photo mode and see how they stack up. Gamers, I am a huge advocate for photo mode in every game. I would love to get to a point where every game has one. And the features that I would love to see in every one as a standard, uh, just consistently going forward. So in my reviews, I've started looking at every game's photo mode, if they have one, and looking at different specifics of that photo mode to see how the game stacks up in that category. Now, the first category that I'll go over here is accessibility. How easy is it to get in and out of the game's photo mode? So for Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, it's a two-step process. You pause the game and you select photo mode. So it's not bad. I just prefer one step. So in some games, you can just click in the analog sticks and boom, you're in photo mode. Or press the back button and you're in photo mode. I prefer that one-step process. It just gets you in there real quick. And sometimes, if you're not quick, you can end up missing a perfect pick that you really are that perfect angle that you really want to be able to capture and capitalize on. Now, once in the mode, this game is laid out just like Insomniac's other photo modes in both Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales. So when we talk about the camera control, once we get into the mode, I felt it was great. Now, I like full control, uh, unless you're in a cutscene, obviously, which is how this game operates, which I understand. But full control over that camera, I love to be able to go up, down, around, Choose whatever positioning I want with that camera, and this game does that very well. The zoom, point of view, tilt, it's all here and implemented extremely, extremely well. Now, when you look at the lighting, filters, and details that are optioned here, the lighting options that were introduced in Miles Morales return with the different types of lighting, like natural and artificial. You can choose the location of the lighting on the character or in the environment, the ability to rotate and place the light where you want it, and more. Now, filters are pretty basic ones that I feel like you pretty much see the same ones in every photo mode in the game. I did think it was really cool, though, to have the pixel filter and be able to see what the graphics look like pixelated. That was interesting. Uh, the game does have stickers, which uh, Insomniac is, is pretty well known for having those also available in their Spider-Man games. I do like the stickers, but I felt like they underwhelmed me in this game. I like the fact that you have to do certain things or progress in the story in order to unlock more stickers and specific stickers. But when you're wanting to add, say, the different text bubble or different lines of dialogue, I didn't like the fact they didn't have actually English uh, options for text. It was all in different kind of alien text. So that was a little frustrating for me. Not a big deal, but I would have preferred to have an option to type my own text and then add it into the text bubble as a separate sticker, but that was not the case. Next category is emotes, expressions, and characters. Now, there's a decent selection of emotes and facial expressions that are for our heroes to show here, and the option to eliminate all background characters, all but the main hero, or every character altogether to get that nice environmental shot. It's all here, done well. The frames and themes that are optioned here, again, just like Insomniac Spider-Man games and their photo modes, Ratchet has a great selection of frames to choose from that can really accentuate an image taken. So overall, I didn't really think there was anything negative to speak of, except a lack of logos and personalized text, as I stated. So my grading system for the photo mode, is it a work of art, which is the best possible opinion I'll give it? Or is it kind of run-in-the-mill average collector's piece, something specific to a person? Or is it a blank canvas 
the developer needs to go back to the drawing board and really start over with what their options are and how they approach photo mode. So for Rift Apart, I'm gonna give it a collector's piece rating. I feel like it just missed work of art due to that lack of logo options and personalized text. Now let's go check out the ship's chronometer to find out how long it took me to beat the game and how long it may take you to beat the game based on your play style. From a time standpoint, first up gamers, we have, if you're just playing the story, just strictly here for the story, you wanna see what Ratchet and Clank's latest adventure is all about, and you're pretty much going from the beginning opening credits, and you really wanna just go straight to those end credits and experience that story in all its glory as if it were a movie, I'm saying that it's probably going to take you roughly 15 hours. Just the story alone is probably right at 15 hours, maybe a little less. But if you're doing some story and maybe a bit of side stuff along the way, I could see you spending around 20 hours to get to those end credits. But if you are a completionist and you're trying to do the side quest, get all the collectibles, and go after that elusive platinum trophy... It's probably going to take you around 30 hours to do everything, which is exactly what it took me to get that beautiful platinum trophy at the end of it all. So 15 hours if you're just here for the story, 20 hours if you add in some few side things here or there, but 30 hours if you're going for that platinum trophy. Now let's go check out my final thoughts. Gamers, when looking back at the 30 hours that I spent in Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, there's one word that really stands out to me over and over and over again, and that is amazing. This game was amazing. It was amazing as an individual experience. Just about every category that I could possibly think of from a review standpoint, it hit that amazing mark for me. It was the best Ratchet & Clank game that I've played yet, easily. And I've played quite a few of them. Now, I love that it ends the game, setting up what I hope will be a series of games coming on the PS5, and I cannot wait for that next entry, if that is the case. I felt that it was a massive showcase for what the PS5 is capable of, as far as visually, performance, and frame rate stability-wise, and guys, that amazing DualSense difference. So outside of some extremely minor camera and control gripes, this game was an excellent experience from beginning to end, and is well-deserving of my final score of a 9.75 out of 10. That'll do it for my review of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live. Reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com as well as find me on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming and on Twitter at lostatsea. G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.